Today we're in 1 John 4, 7 through 12, and um, more about our, uh, our quest to have confidence and insurance, um, kind of our, our thesis verse, it's hard to say, um, that I've told you these things in, in 1 John 5, 13, I've told you these things so that you may know that you have eternal life, and um, Cliff did a great job last week, as he usually does, um, talking about the first uh, four verses in chapter four, uh, trying to determine uh, the source of life. Um, Those uh, passages, oh, six passages, sorry, I can't count. Um, I can't do months either. Like my wife, she, she'll say, um, April to uh, July, oh, that's, and I, I gotta go. Like that. I can't do ABCs either. I don't know, I guess I was missing. I mean, I can't, I have to, is this before that? I have to do the ABCs, sing a little song? I'm really kind of a dimwit in here. I shouldn't be telling you that. Oh, I'm a genius. Um, so, um, Five and six, four, five and uh, chapter four, five and six. They are from the world. Six. They are. We are from God. So determining uh, the source of life, um, which is God, is really paramount to what we're supposed to be doing to try to get to that point where we have assurance, where we gain confidence, where we can go out and do what we're supposed to do throughout life. Um, so knowing that we are um, from God, not from the world, and locating that source is, is a daily thing. It's a, it's a challenge. I don't think you get it once, and then I, I think you, you kind of go in and out, but I think you have to be able to come back and have confidence that you know, wait, my source of life is God. It's not this disaster that happened. It's not this funeral. It's not this... Uh, economic loss. My source is from God, and that's what gives us confidence then uh, to go on and do life well, which I think we're all supposed to be doing. Um, And when we figure out that this source of life um, is God, um, it's not making bad people good, but it's making dead people alive. And that's kind of, there's a big difference in that. we're not just trying to um, improve behavior here necessarily. We're trying to live. And then from that, that's where, that's where the real things start happening in our life that please God. Um, in, in chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 4, You are from God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world, um, that was really key that we have overcome um, because greater is he that's in us. And we know, we'll talk about this a little bit today, about the Holy Spirit living in us. So greater is he that is in you. So if we can understand what the source of life is, then we have the benefit of being led by the Spirit in the things that we do, which makes it amazing for those little brief times I get it, yeah, yeah, and yo, this is so good, like that. For me, anyway, that's how it is. 
Um, and then there was that uh, quote from James AK-47. What was his name? What was his name? James K.A. Smith. K.A., see? I knew it was something like that. Tucker knew that, not me. Well, you quoted it. Tucker knew that. Yeah. Um, where he said that I am what I love, which gave me a really weird feeling because I am ribeye steak. <laughs> I am pizza, the supreme. I am any kind of chip that's out there. So I am what I love. So what I spend my time loving is what I become. And so if our source of life is God, that's a good thing. If it's other than that, that's less than good. And so Cliff challenged us last week, asking us, what's the evidence in our lives that God, uh, that God is the source of my life? What is the evidence in our lives that God's the source of our, our life? That's a great question. Um, you know, am I living my life in such a way that shows that I trust God in how I go about catastrophic things that happen in my life, how I go about things that are going really well in my life. What's the evidence um, that God's the source of life? I think it's a really great question to keep in our forefront as we go every day, as we go about what's the evidence of this. Um, you know, uh, Terry and I were talking Terry and I were talking. Where is she? She's my alter ego, my conscience. She's, she's the, uh, the brake pedal. Boop. Stop. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah! woo Party! Anyway. So, um, when, when Christy, our daughter, got into that accident, and I'm hearing terrible things from her friend who's a nurse practitioner who was calling me, you know, she's been in an accident. I could hear my daughter, you know, just crying on the other end of the phone in the ambulance. And so we did an after action report. Oh, how did we do on that, sweetheart? Did we, did we freak out? Did we trust? I mean, it's a tough thing when you, when you hear that. But I think it's healthy to look back and say, did we do that okay? Was that, I mean, did we freak? Were we snippy to people? Were we mean? Were we just in despair? What was the deal on that? And we both determined that we have no idea how to get anywhere when we're in a, when we're in a, a traumatic situation. Well, now, how do I get to OU from here? Oh, how to OU Medical? And so anyway, um, we don't know how to drive when, but other than that, we were okay, I think. Um, so, um, what's the evidence in our lives that, that God's the source of our life? And so today we're going to learn a little, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, that, the, that this uh, love for others, dang it, is, is the evidence. Dang it was my thing. Yeah. So, uh, this, this having love for others is kind of the uh, the evidence of this. So let's look at First uh, John four seven through twelve. Uh, Beloved, uh, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Fourteen times in those six verses. Fourteen times he mentions love. And that's a lot. So probably I'd pay attention to that. That 14 times he mentions it. So in verse 7, beloved, let us love one another for the love of uh, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So that's really similar to what we read in uh, 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. So it's real similar to that, the, the, the love bestowed on us, that God bestowed his love gave his love to us. Um, I, when, when I was fortunate to be able to teach on that passage, I found a, a passage, uh, some commentary by Alexander McLaren, an 18th century um, preacher. Um, and he said, from Scotland, he, he, he was a, what was he? He was a contradictory. Tatarian, or what did we, yeah, he was a, what, contrarian. contrarian. <laughs> I'll take that for 40. My kind of guy. What is contrarian? That's right. So, um, he, Alex uh, McLaren says that the love bestowed on us is the means by which the design that we should be called his children is accomplished. So in other words, God loved us first, therefore we are his children. Nothing can change that. And that's how we became his kids, because he loved us first. By him loving us, that became, that became um, the means by which we became his kids. That's remarkable. We don't, I mean, it's, that part's finished. He's done as far as, you're my kids. I think we're all his kids. I think uh, college professors and terrorists are his kids. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Came up with that one on my own. I know how to use my kidney. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, God loved us, of us first, we're his children, and nothing can change that. Um, so this stuff that we go through, that you and I go through of, am I good enough? Or I messed up and I probably disqualified myself or I don't feel loved. It's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. It comes if you're like me. We have doubts, we certainly mess up, and it can take us down a pretty dark path if we give in to that. 
But this book is working towards having confidence that he knows we're going to mess up. Um, he, he knows that we're imperfect. His love is perfect for us. So nothing can change um, our position as God's children. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we might be called children of God, and that is what we are. So nothing can change that position. So this book is kind of working, building to a crescendo of that you may know you have eternal life. And I think that serves a really important value to us throughout our lives, that we might know that we have eternal life, that we might um, have that assurance and that confidence so that we can go and do um, so God's basically saying, you're my kids, have some confidence in me, come see me, you're my kids, just come see me. And why is it that John spends so much time on it in this, in this book and in, in his gospel that he wrote why does, he, why does he think this is so important that we understand that we're his kids? Why, why is that? Why, does he, why do we think that he spends so much time on it? I mean, it's the theme throughout his, his books. Well, I, yeah, that's exactly right. For the benefit of the tape... See, I can say that. Nobody said anything, but I can say, oh, yeah, that's right. For the benefit of the tape here, the recording, this is great. Like, you see those politicians when they're up on stage giving a speech, and they go, yeah, there's nobody out there. But there's, oh, they're popular. Yeah, hey, good to see you. Yeah, come see me. Call me. Um, but I digress. Um, so... Uh, it's, it's taking our position as God's kids and living confidently. That's what he wants us to do, is to take up our position, our rightful position as his kids, because he loved us first and made it so. He didn't have to. He did. So now let's go do that. So we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, so in verse uh, 7 and 8, um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay, so God's supreme quality uh, is is love? It's his. It's his nature. It, it's his supreme quality, um, and this love is the means of our relationship with him, which is it, which is really cool. Um, Cliff did a thing. If I don't do this right, you can correct me. But uh, that God's supreme quality is love. 
And then he has all these attributes um, like justice and mercy and righteousness and omniscience and omnipresence. Is that right? Yeah. So, but the center is love, and we can't get mixed up that, you know, all of a sudden justice sneaks its way in here. And then you're like, well, no, it's love. And he uses justice to demonstrate his love. So um, I think it's really important. Yeah, that's good. It's like a little half sunshine love. Um, I'm a terrible whiteboarder. Whenever at work or at Water 4 I get up and whiteboard, they all start poking each other. This is going to be good. I am the worst whiteboarder ever. Um, because I'm not a smart man. I, don't, I can't tell you between April and August how many months that is without doing it on my fingers. Um, so God's supreme quality is love. It's his nature. And this love is the means of our relationship with, with him. Um, and because God's supreme quality is love for us, he will always always have our best interests at heart. Always. We may not think it. We may think we're like a pig pen and there's a cloud around us. Pig pen. You guys know pig pen? Pig pen is a character in Charlie Brown where he's a, he has a dust cloud around him all the time, hence the name pig pen. The detail, that's exactly right. The justice and the mercy and the righteousness and, and omniscience, omnipotence. And you could probably go, what, five more, couldn't you? Go ahead. Omnipresence. Omnipresence. Omniscience. Yeah, see, there's two. Implacable. 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 One more. No. <laughs> it's because I made fun. I jest. Implacable. That's a good one. Um, so, um, he always has our best interests at heart. So that's why this is so important that we have assurance and confidence. Because if we can, if we can, if we can make God the source of our of our strength, the source of our life for us, and we understand that um, he ha- and we trust him to the point where we have our he, we know for certain that he has our best interests at heart the more confidence and insurance that we have in that, the more we can go do things that he's going to go, way to go. That's just awesome. Thank you. The more, the more that he'll do that. And, and then the more we'll want to do it. And the more he does it because his is infinite. So um, this love of his will always be so, and it always has been, and it always will be. That, that love for we humans, for us humans, for y'allsons, for usins, um, it's not so much for us. That, that, this, that this love is always going to be the center of our motivations. Or he wouldn't have written in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship yet walk in darkness. So apparently there's a chance that we 
are here in church, yet walk in darkness every now and then. In 1.8, if we say we don't sin, we're deceiving ourselves. See, God's love is always there. We kind of go in and out of it, is what he's saying. In 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the implication in there is we're going to sin. It's, it's harder for, for us because we're going to mess up. And if you say you're, you're not, he says here that you're wrong. Um, however, it's absolutely determined that God loves us, and therefore we are his kids. He can't, he, he can't, he won't unlove us. Like unfriend? You ever been unfriend? unfriended on Facebook? Who's been unfriended on Facebook? <laughs> I know why. <laughs> I'm not on Facebook as far as you all know. Um, so um, this, this love of his, it's, it's absolutely determined that he loves us um, and that we're his kids. He can't and won't unlove us. His part is determined. His part is finished. Absolutely. And that's what he wants us to have this confidence in, that he has, he has our best interest at heart in everything. And the more that we can connect with that and live with the Spirit of God in us, the more that we can go and, and do things that are the things we're supposed to be doing. Um, so the uncertainty comes um, in this. Will we love? That's the uncertainty. Will you and I love, abide, obey? And we learned throughout these passages that the world opposes us, viciously opposes us. Why did, why did John mention Cain back in chapter 3-ish, something like that. Why did he mention, remember Cain slaughtered his brother? This is the type of opposition that the world offers us. The world, uh, he says, uh, the system, antichrist, uh, Satan, the evil one, opposes us viciously. This isn't just a little, oh, no, Steal, kill, and destroy is what's out there as, as the counter to us loving. So sometimes it makes it hard to love because we just get caught up in it. Just how it is. We sin. But he's made provision for it. Remember, he has our best interests at heart. He knows we're going to screw up. Um, so that's this uncertainty is will we love. The certainty is he'll love us. The uncertainty is will the uncertainty is, will we love him? Will we love others? Because that's how we love him, is by loving each other, loving one another. Um, verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Woo. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Um, 
Again, God's part is finished, but it's attention and effort on our part needed daily. We have to, we have to be in the game. We have to be paying attention and be alert. Be steadfast and alert. Your enemy, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Remember my lovely Africa picture? That's it. He's, he's looking to devour us. Um, and, and we have to pay attention daily to this. Verse 9. Uh, By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. God's love manifested, which means made visible or appeared in us. God's love was made visible. God's love appeared in us so that we might live through him. That's the purpose. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Acknowledging that his love is is manifested, has appeared in us, and that we live through him. So, will we love? And it's absolutely our choice. Will we love? And it's our choice every day when we get thrown into these different circumstances. Will we love? We'll talk about that a little bit more. So, this is a terrible story in... in, um, 1994, there was a genocide in Rwanda. If some of you guys uh, might remember that, uh, where up to a million Rwandans were hacked to death with machetes, 500,000 women raped uh, with rape squads, where the the violence between two tribes, the Hutu and the Tutsi tribes, have been warring with each other for hundreds of years. And it boiled over in 1994 on a kind of a coup over the government. And it was an excuse to try to exterminate the Tutsi tribe. 70% of the Tutsis were murdered by their neighbors. By their neighbors. I mean, this was not just a... Mm. Um, and even to this day in Rwanda, when I was over there, it's illegal to identify as tribe. Oh, I'm, I'm Hutu. Oh, I'm a Tutsi. It's really obvious because they look different. They have a different stature about them. Um, but it's illegal to this day to identify by that. And Rwanda's a really, if you've ever been there, it's really a strange place. Everywhere in Africa, there's no garbage pickup. The garbage man doesn't come. So you just throw stuff on the ground and call it a day. I mean, it is, you can't imagine how dirty... Uh, that place is, Rwanda was, is cleaner than Edmund. And I don't know what's going on there. I, I'm sure it has something to do with the genocide memorial where there's 300,000 people buried in a mass grave right in their neighborhood. Probably has something to do with that. Um, so um, I tell you that to tell you this. Uh, every year, Water 4 has a leadership conference with the leaders of our 450 business partners across 15, 16 countries in Africa. So they all come into a place. Um, the one, I actually went to one a couple years ago in Rwanda. It was just amazing. So this is revival service. This is discipleship. This is um, Bible study. Um, this is praise and worship. This is business development. 
This is how to drill a well. This is how do you run a water vending station, a, a micro utility. And then what do you do with the money, stewardship, once you get money? Because these are our business partners that are all of a sudden getting money. And these, this week, becomes the, the group becomes so tight-knit. It was so wonderful to see uh, this group come together. And a couple years ago, um, this was going on. And then towards the end, really great stuff starts coming out of it um, on acts of love, showing love for one another. It's a pretty big group. There's usually 100 people there or something like that. And... Um, or 50 people, yeah, something like 50 people. So they came to the leadership, these two men came to the leadership, and they said, hey, we just realized we're from opposing tribes in Rwanda. Our grandparents and parents killed each other. And I love this man, and he loves me. And we're working together, and we are doing amazing work together, and we do choose love. And it just knocked everybody over because this is the brutality of Cain that's fixed, completely fixed. Um, now working side by side, enjoying each other, loving each other. Um, but you know what? It was their choice. They could, still to this day, there's lots of bad feelings in that country as you would imagine there is. This was just 1994. But these two chose, chose to love. These two made a conscious effort to choose uh, to love. So every day as we go about our business, it's choice upon choice upon choice of will we love, abide, obey like our Rwandan friends. It's not to that degree for most of us, but it's still a choice every day that we have to, um, we have to choose in the affirmative if we're going to do this. As, and when I get up to heaven, if I make it, which I'll probably be out by the landfill, <laughs> I'll make it, but I'll be taking care of the landfill out there, all right? Oh, he's out there by the landfill. Let's go talk to him. I got chicken bones to throw away. Oh, are we surely we're having chicken bones, aren't we, over there? Anyway, um, this can't be vegetarian. Please, no. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but I digress. Um, <laughs> so... Um, it's a choice. I, I mean, I wish that we could choose once and it's done I, I, to, to love one another. I, I wish we could just choose it and it just sticks and we're finished. But it's not. It's every day. We have to go again and love. Dang it. And that's really what's in here. Dang it. Um, so when we, when we get this right, and we all do, I do occasionally, when we get it right... It looks so different. It looks really odd when there should be not love and all of a sudden love comes out. It looks, it looks really odd when that happens. And um, 
when that happens, we get the benefit of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and, and starting to guide us and lead us. Remember 1 John 3.24, and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And, when we, uh, and we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he's given us. So the Holy Spirit gets to dwell in us when this starts happening, which then gives us more confidence to go do, to go do other things. Um, we can and have overcome this world system, this world, this system. Remember 4.4? He tells us, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's telling us that. You guys have done this. You've overcome. You wouldn't be here today. Look at you guys. Every, every Sunday coming in here. You have overcome. He's telling us this. By love. And that's how we overcome. There's a, there's a thing on your, what you call it, uh, from Oswald Chambers. Let's read this. Together, although I'm going to read it and you guys just do it in your head, which I don't know if you repeat the words in your head. I do. And my wife says that's the wrong way to read. She's, she like reads five words at a time. She'll say, here, read this. And I'll sit there and start reading it. And then she'll start tapping her foot. Good Lord, how long does it take you to read anyway? And I'm, the Lord. Anyway, so read along with me, but you button it and I'll read. So, um, this is from Oswald Chambers. The Lord does not give me rules, but he makes his standard very clear. If my relationship to him is that of love, I will do what he says without hesitation. If I hesitate, it's because I love someone I've placed in competition with him, namely myself. Jesus Christ will not force me to obey him, but I must. As soon as I obey him, I fulfill my spiritual destiny. My personal life may be crowded, with small petty happenings altogether insignificant, but if I obey Jesus Christ in the seemingly random circumstances of life, they become pinholes through which I see the face of God. Then when I stand face to face with God, I will discover that through my obedience, thousands were blessed. When God's redemption brings a human soul to the point of obedience, it always produces. If I obey... Jesus Christ with the redemption of God, if I obey Jesus Christ, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of Almighty God. Is that not wonderful? Keep that with you this week. Read it a couple of times. Um, this obedience that he talks about in here is loving others. Look at verse 10. Um, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. So he took care of us and made everything right between us and him. He took care of it and made everything right. And I really believe Jesus wants us to relax in that. Just relax. That part's finished. Us and him are good. So relax in that. And that's where we start getting some of this confidence. Yeah, you're going to mess up. That's why he made the system the way it is. That's why Jesus came. 
for the propitiation for our sins. He knows we're going to mess up, so just relax. We're loved, therefore we're his kids. We are loved, therefore we're his his kids. Now, Now go and do stuff. You have the freedom to go, now go do stuff. So, you know, what stuff? Where do we start? Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. That's where we start, doing stuff. Um, This ought, you ought to love one another, is a very strong directive. It's, you, you need to do this. This is a real direct statement that he makes. God loves you. You ought to go love others. Because it's for our own good is why he's saying this. Remember, God only does things that are for our good because he loves us. We're his kids. Would you guys ever do anything harmful to your kids or grandkids? No. You're going to do what you deem is best for them always. Every now and then, though, I had a little that I'd do to him just for fun. <laughs> so here's an example. My dad's passed away, so this is a real, this is a make, make-believe example. Dad, I love you so much. You're just, I will do anything for you because I know you'll do anything for me. I love you so much. But those brother, that brother and that sister of mine, they are just pieces of garbage. I hate them. I don't want to be around them. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't know why you and mom had them. They are the worst. They are awful. Um, So how does that make my beloved dad feel? Y'all have been in that situation where your kids aren't getting along. For, For you, Cliff, it's when your dogs weren't getting along. You know exactly what it's like. But when your kids aren't getting along, you just have a sick spot in your stomach, don't you? When your kids don't get along, and that's happening in this room right now. It's just how it is. That's kind of how life goes. How, do, how does God feel when we don't love each other? That's exactly what this is. He may, we're brothers and sisters. Our Father loves us. We love Him. But then when we hate on each other, Not so much. Verse 12, no one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. That's really profound. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love God, his love becomes perfect in us, completed. Our loving others completes the circuit where God loves us and we love others. It completes the circuit, um, which in turn completes our love for our love of God. Um, so when, when this love for others is missing, God's love is imperfect in us. When this love of others is missing, God's love is imperfect in us. Cliff said I could say that in direct questions to him, if we have any argument on that. So here, let's read that. Let's, re- let's read verse 12. No one has beheld God at any time. If we do not love one another, God's 
God does not abide in us, and his love is not perfected in us. That's the antithesis of that statement. So if, if the statement is true, that if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us, the opposite must be true too, that if we, when we don't love, God's love is not perfected. So it's like, look at this, two deals in one day. So God loves us, And then, of course, we love God. We love God. And then when we love others, it completes the circuit. Love others. And that's how, that's how God's love becomes perfect in us. If we don't do this part, the circuit's not complete. It says it in 12, that when we don't, that, that his love is not perfected in us. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I want his love to be perfected. And remember, this isn't gooey, bluey, sappy, lappy love. Sometimes the greatest form of love is just saying, see ya, and walking off. You, we all don't get along. I'm, everybody's not as lovable as me. I'm like a puffer fish. I'm swimming around, and I get around somebody, and I go, <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's a good image, isn't it? So sometimes, sometimes just walking away is what you need to do, and that's okay. Remember, this is a process. We talked about that early on in these chapters, that you don't get this all at once. This is a process, and sometimes walking away is part of the process. Not being rude, just saying, well, pff, well I don't think we're going to agree on this, but hey, I, I want you to have a good day. Or you could stay there and regret the next things you're going to say. And so that is an act of love, walking away. And then the next time, you can maybe have a cordial conversation with them because you haven't broken that barrier. And then the next time, hey, maybe we should go out and eat lunch. I just, we just need to understand each other a little bit more. This is what we're talking about. It's a process of loving. Other people... You just want to have lunch with day one. You want to just go spend time with them. Other people, it takes a little bit more. This is a process. Uh, there's a word called praxis. It's a two-bit fancy word. I don't know where its origination is, but it's acting your way into a belief. Acting your way into a belief. Sometimes you just have to act your way into a belief. You have to just keep going back to that person and being nice and then pretty soon it's not an act after a while. You just, okay, well, I can be nice to this person. I can start loving this person. I can start walking in their shoes and understanding what's going on. I don't know if you know this, but the world is kicking the snot out of most people. The world is, remember, we're talking about Cain kind of stuff. The system, the world, the Antichrist are coming at us full throat, full bore. And I don't think we understand that enough, that, that people are going through really tough things. And when they snap at you, there's probably something else going on. It's probably not you. And that's what we have to understand. That's why it's a process of, of starting this love for others. And this love for others starts with doing stuff, doing stuff for other people, making other people's lives better. That's what doing stuff is. 
just making you making their life just a tick better. Um, and that's what completes the circuit is us loving others. That's where God's love can be made perfect in us. And that's what we're all shooting for on this thing. Um, Oswald Chambers quote, if I obey Jesus Christ, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of Almighty God. That's just great. Isn't that just great? If I obey Jesus Christ, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of Almighty God. Loving other people is that deed of obedience. It's a process. Don't beat yourself up if somebody rubs you the wrong way. Okay? God knows that. He created us all. There's another quote by Oswald Chambers. I don't know how all of a sudden I got on Oswald Chambers' kick. Um, there is no condition of life in which we cannot abide in Jesus. There's no condition in life which we cannot abide in Jesus. We have to learn to abide in him wherever we are placed. So this abiding that we've been talking about that's mentioned so many times is loving others, is obedience. And that obedience is loving others. So this week, in each of our so-called random circumstances, um, Remember, um, in each of these random circumstances, we need to be conscious and deliberate of our opportunity to demonstrate love to those around us. We're, remember, we're at the beginning of eternal life. It's already started. The flag is dropped. We're in it. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is our opportunity to demonstrate our love for Jesus by loving others. As hard as that is, as, as much as you may not want to do it like me, because there are just people out there that are tough. So this week, as we're going through our, our, our random circumstances, there are no random circumstances, by the way. We're placed where we're placed for a reason, God will only have our best interests at heart, and he knows where we're placed. So as we come across other people this week, let's demonstrate our love for God by showing some love for them. And this doesn't have to be sappy-pappy, rubbing all over them and like that. It's just showing some dignity sometimes and some respect and a kind word or a kind deed like that. It's a process. That, you might get to that. You, you, you may get to that someday. But for right now, let's just go with the, hey, how's it going? Like that. Um, we're, this, we're not in practice here. This is live. We're in a live demonstration right now, okay? 
We're in eternal life right now. God loves you and me, and let's perfect his love in us by loving his kids. And let's just have a great week doing that. Because he's stacked all the chips in our favor. So let's pray and we'll go away. Father, we're just grateful that you love us and that you've shown us a way out. And God, you know each and every one of us in this room, and it's hard. God, I'm, I'm admitting to you for our class that this is hard sometimes, that there's, we're not prone to it. It's not natural for us. But we want to honor you, and we want to do things that bring you glory, that puts a smile on your face is what we want to do. So help us this week be conscious of that as we get into these circumstances and when our temper starts getting ahead of us and when we're not conscious of what we're doing, that you'd bring that back to our conscious by the Holy Spirit that's living in us, Lord, that he would have control of what we're doing during the week. We just thank you so much for this class, for this opportunity that we can come and learn more about you. And as we go into worship now, Lord, we just praise you and, and, and maybe we can, we can have one of those pinholes today where we can see your face. That's what we want. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.